Hi, and welcome to the Horror Wimp Podcast. I'm Alex, and I'm a self-described horror wimp. What is a horror wimp, you might ask? A horror wimp is someone who is opposite of a horror buff. I'm someone that is definitely afraid of a horror genre of movies. If I watch one, many sleepless nights will follow. Each week, I will watch a horror movie with a guest and discuss in an attempt to curb my dislike of the horror genre. Join us if you're a horror wimp like me, or if you like horror movies and want to go- know our thoughts. This week, my guest is M. Hey. Hey, M. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Okay. Are you nervous right now? Um, n- no. I still feel maybe a few jitters from the movie, but not too much. Okay, well, we just watched a movie, but we're going to go through a couple questions just to get to know Emily. Well, Em, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, what, are you a horror buff or a horror wimp? I would say, honestly, I really feel like I'm kind of neutral. But if I had to pick one of those two, I would say a horror wimp more than a horror buff. Okay, so... You would say that you you are able to watch these movies, but you're generally afraid of them. Yeah, so sometimes I get a little scared while I'm watching the movie, um, but a lot of the times I kind of am like already thinking of like the worst possible thing. <clears throat> but you're not like me, where I'm like no. screeching at every moment. Right. Right. It's, I'm dead silent during the movie, and I like feel what's like going through your head during not. like the jump scares and stuff. Um, I, I don't know. Cause right before a jump scare, I usually am like, there's going to be a jump scare. The thing is, I know there's going to be a jump scare too, but I scream <laughs> during I, the jump scare. Cause I know that it's going to be like, Meh. I like swallow my scream. So <laughs> before I can Ooh. even scream, I just like maybe kind of like gas, hold your breath, hold it. Yeah. I pull it in. Yeah. So we're opposite. I let it out. <laughs> I, I, I think your screaming is scarier than the actual movie well you never know i might be possessed but anyway the next question is what was the last horror movie you watched so the last horror movie i watched was saw because that's like a classic okay. you know one of the super well-known ones but i'd never seen it and one of my roommates had never seen it so we were like who we are need to you watch. people even i've seen saw the thing is okay so did you like saw i did i thought saw was really really well done like do you think it's scary though you know i think that it's kind of scary because of the the whole unknown aspect of it is like really i don't know it kind of freaks me out and to me there's a somewhat realistic aspect which to me is scarier if something seems somewhat realistic I kind of like believe, oh, maybe I could be like abducted and thrown into a room. That freaks me out way more than like. I I understand that. And I guess that leads to my other question. But for me, I feel that if I'm watching a horror movie, I, I mean, I get scared of almost anything. But <laughs> um, I think that if it's something that I can't control in terms of like spiritually or something that isn't it i mean like isn't realistic i think that's scarier to me because i know that for me you won't be able to do anything about it you know what i mean right like you could potentially escape 
from like a person that's trying to kill you, but you can't escape a ghost that's trying to kill you. Not really. Right. I know what you mean. I guess I kind of think about when I watch a horror movie, I have like this like logical lens, you know, going on where I'm, when I'm viewing it, I'm like, oh, so that means, okay. Happen. So that leads to my next question is what is the horror movie trope you are most afraid of? So like, for example, ghosts, slasher films, aliens, or, you know, I hate like home invasion type of horror. I know that's almost like more thriller than horror, but you know, if someone comes into your home or you have some like unknown thing, like well, invading well, your home okay. and then you're like kind of helpless yeah so i think i i remember i don't i forgot the name of this movie but um i think it's on netflix and it's like about this woman who's deaf and like all these people try to kill her in a house do you know what i'm talking about i think i know what you're talking about i've seen that or i've seen that little picture and uh, read the summary before but, but i've never, never watched, watched it, it. Oh, I think that's something that out. you're going to be scared of. It For <laughs> me, I wasn't really afraid of that because I was like, I mean, it was kind of weird that the movie was just, you know, I guess it's so realistic to me that I'm like, you know, you can, all of these bad things happen to her like right on, like perfectly mm. to for her to be trapped in the house and people are like trying to kill her, which isn't really realistic to me. You know what I mean? but anyway that's a movie probably you should watch because it's like kind of scary but not really to me but so i mean that leads to this week's um movie which is the taking of deborah logan deborah with a h as the british say deborah (laughs) um yeah and this movie um is a 2014 American found footage supernatural horror film. Um, and it's it's very interesting. Um, and, I mean, do you understand what found footage horror film means? Yeah, I mean, well, this one was very, like, a documentary style. It's like a freehand kind of camera movements. Um, doesn't look as as staged so like something like um and we were talking about this during the movie something like um paranormal activity where they kind of like oh this is real life is happening and like we're filming it and we're capturing this and you're gonna see it oh my god and (laughs) i think those do really scare me because i remember when i watched paranormal activity i really couldn't sleep for a while because i kept thinking about it and like and that's, I think that was one of the most realistic, like, haunting ghost stories, you know? Right, yeah. And, like, the f- one of the first ones. And I know, like, people really were afraid of it, I think. Yeah, I think I think it, stylistically it's really interesting to watch it that way. It's like you're kind of peeking in on something happening. Um, so it makes you feel like, oh, it must be real because it's, like, something you're not supposed to see that you get to see. So I do think it makes it kind of creepy. Right. Well, anyway, so we're going to go through this movie and I'm going to read the summary from Wikipedia. Um, I know it's not the most reliable source, so maybe we'll have to correct some of the things if it's not accurate, but I'm I'm sure it's fairly close. Um, and we can discuss all of the things within this movie, maybe things that may not... Um, 
may take away from the experience or maybe some things I may add from the from the experience. So I'm sorry, but this is like going to be a spoiler. <laughs> Obviously, every episode's going to have spoilers because we're going to go through the summary. And if you haven't watched the movie and you would like to, I would probably pause and watch it first before I listen to the rest mm-hmm. of um, the podcast. But um, are you ready to go through this? I'm ready. I'm ready too. Oh. <laughs> um, so let's go. I'm going to read it like paragraph by paragraph and then we'll pause and take comments from you and then you can kind of tell me your thoughts and I'll tell you my thoughts of like each part of it and then I'm going to move on from there. How you feel great. about that? Perfect. Okay. So Mia, Gavin, and Luis are documentary team set to create a documentary about Deborah. <sighs> An elderly woman who has Alzheimer's disease. Deborah is reluctant to be filmed, but agrees to to the project after her daughter, Sarah, reminds her that they need the money to keep the house from being repossessed. While filming, Sarah and Deborah talk about earlier years when Deborah worked as a switchboard operator for her own answering service business to make ends meet. So, I... I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on in the beginning of the movie that really point out, um, kind of make it seem a little more real because they talk about why she's taking, um, why she's being filmed for this documentary, as well as, I mean, why she agreed to it and what the aspirations of, um, the crew is. And I think the main ringleader for this, the uh, documentary crew is Mia, of course, I think she's the um, she's the PhD candidate mm-hmm. um, that wants to make a film about Alzheimer's and how it like deteriorates the person not only mentally but also physically as well mm-hmm. <laughs> as we will see later on. But um, yeah, what do you think about this? Like, what did this work for you? Like, do you think their characters are true to to well, pe- real you know people? Yeah, well, when the characters are introduced, you know, you see, like, this young woman, um, and you kind of, I don't know, I, I found her likable, um, and I found the daughter, um, Sarah, right, Sarah? I yes. found her very likable, too, because she's kind of this, like, relaxed, um, she was trying to be helpful for me as project, so I really like those two, like, leading female characters, um, and then they introduce Deborah, who does seem she does seem to me like representative like of like an older woman who's like, I like to garden and, you know, I like, you know, being private in my little house and like, you know, she's kind of suffering through this debilitating disease. Um, but you can even see in the beginning that she's kind of like uncomfortable and awkward, you know? Right. There's something going on where... You obviously, well, obviously we know that it's like much more than Alzheimer's because mm. we're watching the fucking horror movie, <laughs> but, um, there's something more to Deborah, obviously. And she, she's uncomfortable with filming it. Um, but also, I mean, she was convinced. How do you feel about Mia's character? Um, kind of lying about her grandfather. Um, I know that that's something that, that this summary didn't point out, but, um, Mia, the main PhD candidate, lied that her grandfather had Alzheimer's to get them to, quote unquote, 
ease them into like taking on the documentary when they were uneasy about it. Um, and I felt like that was something I feel that horror movies really do a lot is point out like, a like, um, a moral of the story or, you know, like point out like, Oh, you shouldn't do such things and that'll bring you demise or something like that. Oh, interesting. Um, I didn't see it that way. I thought it was just kind of like, it's like how I feel anytime they do this kind of like documentary style where it's like, Oh, people are filming, but they, maybe they shouldn't be filming. They even have a little scene in the beginning where they're filming the conversation between Deborah and Sarah where they're like, should we really go through with this documentary? And it's like very invasive. And so to me, it's more just like kind of showing that, um, you know, this whole like found footage type of style is like, like I said, like invasive. invasive yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I feel, well, I felt that it was wrong and that she lied. And later on, obviously, if, you know, we're going to spoil this movie anyway, but Mia apologizes for it um, to Sarah. Um, and I felt like that was something that she did because she felt like she was going to die because she lied <laughs> about, you know. And I, th you know, obviously, this movie, found footage films, I feel like are push always pushing. Like, it seems like they're pushing the boundaries of what they should be doing, you know, like as you said, invasiveness, and that's, you're like, oh, you're wrong. You're, you're getting into this thing. You're getting into trouble because you are being, I would say, greedy and, mm -hmm. like, trying to invade in someone else's life. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, through I don't know that all horror movies do this. I mean, typically you have, a like, a dynamic character who goes through some kind of change, so I think maybe that was their attempt with Mia to show that she became a better, better person. Like, yeah, more developed yeah. person. A de character development, but, as they yeah. call it, you know. <laughs> but to me, that doesn't really come through that strongly because yeah. I'm so distracted by all, all this other shit, shit that's going on. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk about that shit later. But, you know, this is, movie was crazy. Um, <laughs> but I think, okay, so, I mean, they they're losing money they need money so that's like the main reason the main takeaway from the beginning that why they're why they're doing this um documentary when it's like something like um a disease like that is very private for people you know mm. and their families and you shouldn't you know i think another thing that they're pointing out is hey leave people alone when they're suffering through a disease don't pry into like even if you're not a documentary maker you're if you're just a person you know mm -hmm. give them their privacy and whatever yeah and i do feel a little bad for deborah in the beginning when she's actually i feel bad for deborah a lot but in the beginning i do feel like she's uncomfortable the whole time and i can completely understand that because she's suffering and she said even she doesn't want to be the butt of anybody's joke so, you know, I feel bad that she's going through this horrible situation and it's being, like, publicized. But she's trying to do it for, you know, her and her daughter and for, like, a good cause. Yeah. She's a, she's definitely a good mother, as, as we <laughs> will, you know, find out in the end. Um, but another thing I want to point out is that 
the the summary tells of the um in the beginning they're talking about how she's a switchboard operator and she kind of um started her own business but i want to say i don't know what like in the 70s did they really use switchboards still i, I, I think i will have man. to research that but like <laughs> it's kind of weird that okay first of all you're one woman <laughs> like working the whole town you know everybody's secrets Oh, yeah, like you hear everything she said you know the affairs of other people you know like you know um like i guess the drug deals or whatever i don't know what that town yeah. does but like you know she hears everything Dark and she secrets. knows everything and she keeps the secrets like that's what in the beginning they're like oh she keeps all these secrets for them and obviously she got into some secret that she shouldn't have gotten into mm -hmm. but it really involved her so obviously she had to take it into her own hands yeah, so I agree. Anyway, um, Deborah is shown to exhibit increasingly bizarre actions that her personal physician, Dr. Dr. Nazir, states are normal for someone with an aggressive form of Alzheimer's. However, cameraman Luis begins to notice that several Deborah's actions defy normal explanations and uh, expresses concern that something supernatural is occurring. Things grow tense after Luis and Gavin record audio of Deborah speaking in French while sitting at her own switchboard, talking about sacrifices and snakes. They also notice that the line 337 continually rings and discovers that the line belonged to a local physician, Henri de Hardin, <laughs> who disappeared after a series of cannibalistic rituals, ritualized murders of four young girls. This information is too much for Gavin, so he quits. Okay, we'll stop there. Um, so that's a lot to unpack. They really, um, pushed a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of things that went on. Um, there's a lot more rising action. Yeah. There, the movie really focused on her dementia and you kind of think that, Hey, this is only dementia. Like she was just going crazy. Um, I mean, what were the first things that you kind of noticed that Deborah was doing that? Um, really disturbed you, I guess. I think the first thing that kind of freaked me out was, you know, well, she's wandering out of her bed. It's dark. She does things like that. Um, she wants to, like, close the windows and stuff like that. They find her one night, and she's facing the window. Her back is to them. And then she turns around and is, like, ripping at the skin on her neck. Oh, like yeah. Kind of ripped it, like, open. And that, and that really is um, the reason why they took her to the doctor, because of that that neck injury but you know i think that one thing i have to comment and like point out about this movie that really is stupid and i think that it's in, in real life i don't think anybody would this they don't turn on any of the lights ever they're yeah. literally just yeah. like walking around like hey i'm gonna put on this like little tiny camera light and film like um this scary lady like kind of walk <laughs> around and like and in the beginning like the first thing i notice and that is probably gonna freak me out um, the most is that just an old lady walking around in her weird nightgown, you know, like just like walking down like the hall and like, Hey, but I really felt like they did a good job of like attributing it to Alzheimer's. Cause I feel like a lot of it could have been just Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. I think they unfold things well because you do kind of believe, Oh, she's just mentally unstable from Alzheimer's. And then, but then she does very aggressive, like disturbing, weird things. 
Um, another one I was thinking of was when they're watching this video footage because there's there are cameras all in the house. And she goes from standing on the floor to standing on the counter and there's no... Yeah, like there's no skip like skip in the video footage. Yeah, there's no skip in the video footage. And that is something I want to point out too. I'm like at that point I would really really like examine what a fuck I'm doing there. We're fucking doing a documentary about Alzheimer's. This fucking lady is like just skipping around the house like <laughs> she's like a, I don't know like just floating through air and shit and you're you're just watching the footage and saying like okay that's great you know like you're showing the daughter i mean they show it to the daughter and the daughter's like what the fuck and they do ask her about it and then she's just like i don't know yeah i mean like why would you even ask her well i mean i don't know i guess it's if you're really in that situation you wouldn't be jumping to that conclusion obviously like you're just like there's something wrong with the video yeah you kind of can't wrap your mind around, around it. it yeah it's just like uh, but <laughs> i mean obviously there's something else there <laughs> Yeah. but um so let's move on to the part where she is um going into the attic where she sheds all of her clothes which is the freakiest part for me because <laughs> i don't even like women that are not old and wrinkly and and kind of possessed and that are i mean yeah <laughs> or clothes yeah i don't even <laughs> like any of those things so um it really freaked me out especially yeah. when she was sitting in the chair and like her back I, I hate it i one thing i hate in the movie obviously they do this a lot where the woman's just like facing away from you and you're like i'm gonna go touch you fucking don't touch the lady no, like don't touch why her. would you do it I wouldn't do it. Like, why wouldn't you just be like, um, there's something wrong. I'm going to, like, figure out another way to get her attention or something and not touch her. Yeah. I don't know what I would do, realistically. Uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to touch her. her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, I guess the daughter touched her, not um, any of the other people. So I guess that's okay. Yeah, that makes more sense that the daughter would feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, but. But she's butt-ass naked. Like, yeah. Kind of hunched over well, in the dark attic. Yeah. Well, e okay. So even before then, though, everybody in that house is suspecting, like, the cameraman and, like, the producer guy. Like, they are suspecting there's a demonic force there because um, remember when she goes, like, even before she goes into the attic to do the switchboard thing, she, like, nails the, um, the window shut. And um, she's saying like, "Hey, they're gonna—he's gonna come for me, and like I'm gonna die, and blah blah blah." <laughs> I'm like, "Bitch!" She's literally telling you like what's happening, and you're just like, mm, "You know, like that's fine." Yeah, you're like, mm. you know, I just want more money. But <laughs> anyway, um, sh so one of the most telling things that they should have known, and sh they should have got the fuck out of there instead of the guy literally put a cross on the window where it's nailed and the lady shows up and says what the fuck are you doing and then the window opens <laughs> like that was scary is it not the reenactment there uh -oh. <laughs> i mean that was really good maybe they should hire you to do these roles. i could i mean <laughs> i do I, I think i could play a really great little lady a little old lady yeah i'm just That's like possessed. crawling around like but um i mean i i'm scared but i'm also scary 
<laughs> you are. <laughs> it's true. Oh my god, you're so mean to me. <laughs> anyway, um, so okay, so the main part of the switchboard thing was that she was at her old switchboard. Um, she was talking about snakes and sacrifices. Um, and the way that they figured out that it was like snakes and sacrifices was kind of like crazy mm-hmm. because they're like, we found this little snippet of where she was whispering crazy things like in another language and then i googled it and then i translated it and then i like zoomed it up and then i translated it and i figured out that um it's actually this guy <laughs> yeah like they figured it out so quickly they and did, i think yeah. that that was something that i was like you kind of told the whole story in like two seconds like i think they should have let it unfold a little more and it would have been a little more scary where they kind of like maybe they found like some old footage of um the guy like killing a girl or something and like they watched it together or something like that maybe they cut a scene like that because you know i didn't really think about that but sometimes i think horror movies drag a little bit or it's like too much explanation so i kind of like that they were just like we figured this out and they told (laughs) us well i mean like yeah but i mean they they told us kind of the whole thing the whole spiel and you kind of can connect the dots you know Mm -hmm. but you still don't expect what's happening in the end where you're like, what the fuck, you know? But, um, so yeah, so they, they realize, um, so the, well, they found the, um, wait, 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 did we get this wrong? I don't know. We got it wrong. She sat at the switchboard. She said some demonic shit. Um, mm-hmm. but also they went to her, um, through her books that she used for her switchboard um and and they kind of like scribbled the the page was missing the page Mm -hmm. um of who was at that 337 number Mm -hmm. um what is it what does it say they also noticed that the line for 337 continually rings and discovers that the line belongs to local physician Henri Hardin who disappeared after a series of cannibalistic ritualized murders for of four young girls. So wait, I'm confused now. Did they know that they figured that out first? They figured out the demonic stuff or did they figure out the 337 first? They figured out who it was and they figured out what he did. Oh no, no, no. They did the actually you're right. They did the voice thing. Voice thing. They translated it from French because this guy's French. And then they figured out this whole thing like, okay, this makes sense that this French guy is yeah, saying his. It. Yeah, it's his. So they, but they like, I guess those two connect the dots to that person. Yeah. It like, yeah. yeah, it's just. Okay. Anyway, um, this information is too much for Gavin. So he quits. So he, the guy, Gavin, yes. he, Honestly, I feel like he, he was an asshole, but at the same time, like he was an asshole to her. It because of the like it, when he was kind of dealing with the disease. Like in the beginning, he was attacking, or she was attacking him, right? Mm-hmm. And like I know it was like a scary situation where she kind of like, and I think that part, I think it was still the disease. Maybe no, maybe it wasn't because it was about the um, spade, right? It was about the spade, and she needed it for some reason. Mm-hmm. So she had dug up the body already at that point, mm-hmm. probably. Oh, that's kind of creepy. Anyway, <laughs> um, so she 
attacked him, but he was kind of a dick all throughout the movie. But I'm also Gavin, and that's exactly I'm what I've done too. I would have been like hell to the no. I don't even. I wouldn't even have asked for more money. As soon as like she stabbed me, like try to stab me, I'm gonna be like, yeah. you know, I think. You know, she really needs help. I don't think you should keep her in this house, no matter how much. I don't, and, oh, one of the things that they didn't really notice or mention in this um, summary is the character Harris. And I think he played a pivotal, pivotal part. Don't yeah. you think? Like, Oh, I liked Harris. I mean, yeah, but I, I think, okay, so... Harris is a spe in the beginning. I don't think they pointed out in the summary that Harris kind of Harris is Deborah's best friend, mm -hmm. um, like a neighbor guy. Like a neighbor guy. Um, Deborah's husband is died. Mm -hmm. I forgot what they said that she died of some kind of like disease. Everyone mm -hmm. in this movie just dies of some kind <laughs> of weird disease. It's like a diseasy movie. I, I don't know. Yeah. But um, Deborah's husband's dead, so I guess like this Harris guy has been her friend and helping her out and stuff like that. So he really kind of prevented her from going into a home or a place where she needed to be to get help because, which I thought was um, needed. I mean, you can't really watch a woman with dementia for 24 hours a day, you know, like you need help. Yeah, obviously, too, because every night she would get up in the middle of the night and, like, hurt herself or hurt somebody. So. I mean, yeah. She, yeah, she literally was getting hurt, like, physically <laughs> hurt. And they were just like, that's fine. Yeah. You know, like, I'm sorry, but that's, I know you want to keep your, like, relatives um, close to you and comfortable in their own surroundings. And sometimes that is needed, but sometimes you really just need a fucking, like, Say, hey, you really do need, I need help, you need help, let's get the help. But suffice to say, there was people that, like, the home would probably be dead, too. <laughs> so. Yeah, couldn't really help Deborah. so. Yeah, Deborah was a lot <laughs> beyond help. Um, but also, um, Henri Gardin, it's, this says cannibalistic. Did he yeah. eat those girls? Yeah, they said part of the girls... Faces were eaten up. Wait, but on the pictures, it was just like a little scar. No, but they were bloody too. So like they've been eaten. They just somewhat. like sucked a little or something. <laughs> it was a little nibble, like a little snack. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I mean that's still that's creepy. really stuck out to me. I was like, oh my god, because I mean it seems very like mimics real life you know like when serial killers do these like deranged things i was like oh my god that sounds just like something i would hear in a like crime podcast that i listen to but then the whole cannibalistic thing i was like "Ooh, that takes it to a whole nother level yeah, that's, that's a little more than that's a little more than a serial killer typically well, like, you know. well there are serial killers that are cannibals but you know i think that's scary yeah anyway um Deborah's behavior becomes so extreme that she is hospitalized for her own safety. And oh, they do bring in Harris. Harris, a neighbor and longtime friend of Deborah, huh, becomes suspicious of the film crew and their uh, motives involving her. And I was, I mean, obviously you would be suspicious. They're fucking like random people coming to your house to film you about Alzheimer's. Like they literally could go. 
like i don't even know how she got selected like was it like some kind of like ad in the newspaper or something because they could have gone to literally a hospital and said hey i'm doing a documentary on um alzheimer's would you be and she could do several Mm -hmm. people yeah they don't really explain that yeah so it's like that's a loophole that <laughs> kind of needed a fill, I guess. But I mean, once you're like watching this, you're probably like, eh. <laughs> yeah, you get distracted by it. You're just else. like, yeah, it's like, well, none of this really makes <laughs> sense. But, you know, this woman's like going nuts and her skin is kind of gross. Yeah, her skin was like kind of falling off. Yeah, it was. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like scabies or something. I thought that was. So we find, like, we have this kind of snake theme throughout. Yeah. So She was becoming a snake. Yeah, she had kind of like a snake skin. skin thing. But the thing is, I was just like, I thought it was going to be worse than that, where her, like, whole body was just going to become, like, even more deformed. <laughs> but, like, props to the, like, makeup crew, because she looked normal, you know, in the beginning of the um, film. But as she progressed, like... She really did look sickly. And you were you made a comment, this lady is skinny as hell. Yeah, she looked very I mean, she's very, very thin. And I mean like bones. you gotta be thin and nimble for like a demon to possess you, you <laughs> know, because they got they like to move quick. You know, you can't yeah. be like you can't be someone like that's out of shape and like like wheezing when you're <laughs> like crawling yeah. cause you can't be like me like i'm never gonna get possessed so i don't I think great. i am either i would just walk <laughs> really slowly and be like i'm possessed <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll and you'll just be like oh thanks yeah the demon be <laughs> and like, then i'll be like i'm gonna terrible. kill you now and you're just gonna be like sure <laughs> <laughs> i'm not strong enough for that i'm just yeah i'm definitely gonna you definitely could just knock me out <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um next thing is mia and the others discover that the Hardines, I don't want to say that like over and over again, but you know, <laughs> De Hardines was supposedly trying to recreate an ancient Monokin 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 ritual that would make him immortal, but required the deaths of five girls that recently had their first period. What do you think about that shit, man? They that brought that fucking like brought it to another level. Like she wasn't just possessed by like a regular demon. It was like a demon that like a perverted demon. Like yeah. <laughs> and like first period. Like I feel like every horror movie is about a girl like either their sex or like having sex or like some kind of thing with the vagina. And I, do I too. fucking don't like it because I already don't like vaginas. <laughs> and then they like, they like literally are like vaginas are bad. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. thank you. I already knew that. No. <laughs> oh my God. Like don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I can't tell. I, Cause I'm trying to think of another example where There's I've heard a lot about of examples. that. I don't know if that is based off of some like, you know, ancient movie trope. It could be a movie trope. Oh, or okay. So I want to look up what uh, Monokin is. The Monokin, Monokin, Monokin Indian nation. Sorry if you're um, <laughs> an indigenous person and I just like offended. <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm trying my best. Um, so is an Indian nation and is one of the 11 Native American tribes recognized since the 20th century by the Commonwealth of Virginia in the United States. 
In January 2018, Congress passed an act to provide federal recognition as tribes of to the Monokan and the five other tribes of, well, let's look at. So total members, there are 2,000 people. Um, do I really want to look at if they have legends? I wonder, yeah, if it's, <laughs> if if it's, it's somewhat true. accurate about or based on real tradition. Um, so origins and legends of the modern tribe. I don't want the modern tribe. I want like, ah, uh, they don't really have any. Um, Damn, Wikipedia. Let us I down. know. Well, let's see. 1608, the Monokans are one of the groups who have been conjectured to be Welsh Indians. Historians have found no evidence for that and treated it as myth. The Monokan language was part of the Suian language family. So they really don't say anything. Well, the thing about this um, is like about the Deborah movie is is that this is like an ancient, ancient thing. Like it wasn't, I don't think like it was happening in the 16th century. Maybe it was happening like in the dawn of time. I don't know. <laughs> right? I like know. That's what it made it seem like because they were like cave paintings and shit. Wait. I'm not sure. Was there? Was there cave paintings? I don't know. They were like making it like, I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting. <laughs> yeah, you kind of built this like idea of the culture and the myth in your own brain. Yeah, I'm like, um, this is like an ancient thing. I think they gave you just enough to make you feel a little uneasy about the whole, all the snakes and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Just enough to make you be like, oh my God. So they were sacrificing these girls for like immortality, basically. Right. And there's always sacrifice with, I feel like that, isn't that always a, a virgin thing? sacrifice? Yeah. Maybe that's what. That's part of it too, like a first blood thing, kind of. I guess that checks the demonstrative, like the the virgin, virgin thing. It's like you bled, so you're a virgin now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. Periods bad, right? Can we yeah, agree no on that? Likes Nobody likes a period. Like I'm so sorry, Emily. But it's just life. I mean, we can't. Yeah, you mean? I mean, yeah. But anyway, um. Okay, they question whether Deborah is possessed by Dehardines, as a similar case occurred in Africa where a mother was possessed by her dead son and was freed only when a witch doctor burned her son's corpse. I found that that part was kind of convenient for them, you know, where they found like some kind of um, professor guy that was like, oh, I know of a case. I was in Africa and this woman was possessed by her son and they had to burn the body to not be possessed anymore. Um, I liked that part because I felt like they gave us some kind of hope or like possible resolution for all of this mess because it's so chaotic. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it is kind of abrupt, but it's like, oh, now yeah, have they a have goal. a mission to like accomplish, you know, burn a body. And it didn't, it wasn't like, and I, I mean, as soon as I said they said they like introduced that fact, I was like, they're gonna find the body and then they're gonna burn it. Like, basically, you know what is gonna happen. But you also know because it's a horror movie that it's not gonna be perfect. Something's it's going I mean, to it's go never awry. gonna be perfect. But um, one of the things is that um, 
What was I going to say? Um, her, the African mother thing wasn't like malicious, I guess, you know, like it was more like she was just holding her child. I felt like Um, the child was just grasping for life. So he was able to like, you know, use her body as a. This is totally different. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I thought that it was a little too convenient for me. Um, I think it really contrasts, like, movies, like, some movies I've seen. Like, I don't know if you've seen Sinister. Uh, I'm not sure. Pro- it was with, It's with Ethan Hawke, and it's one of the scariest movies. Oh, you told I me think. about that. No, I haven't yeah. seen that. I love well, Ethan Well, anyway, um, I don't want to spoil it for you then. Never mind. Yeah, you better not. Um, but there are movies that are, like, bad endings. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't have a resolution and sometimes people just all die. That's almost every horror movie. <laughs> every horror movie I mean, is like that. Okay, so you said you watched Doctor Sleep. Another spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Doctor Sleep, you know, whatever. I mean, it's been out for a while. And if you haven't watched it, you haven't watched it. But um, they had a solution, you know? And it wasn't really scary because you know that girl had supernatural powers and that... Yeah. Um, that he had supernatural power. Danny had supernatural powers as well. So you, he, they could like defeat. I almost don't see that as a horror movie for whatever Me reason. too. Me too. But The Shining is. And you haven't seen The Shining. <laughs> which is a shame because I'm I a horror know. wimp and I've seen The Shining. And I'm going to say it's not, it's not as scary as you think. It's probably scary psychologically, but it's, yeah. It's something that, that you think about. I need to watch it. Yeah. I will. Um... Anyway, it's a Stephen King, obviously. Um, have you have you seen a lot of Stephen King movies? I've seen it. Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen it. I refuse to watch it. Oh, really, I've seen the, seen the original one. Right? Original, yeah, and the yeah. two new ones. I haven't seen any of them. I heard it's quite good. Um, so at the hospital, Harris visits Deborah, who begs Harris to kill her. Um, he tries to comply with her wish, but is knocked out by the hospital room television being flung across the room, possibly by the entity possessing Deborah. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, like, what, what was it? An earthquake? Anything. Like, it just like was like <laughs> shaking and it was like, <laughs> or like it just flung at him. We have no idea what it could have It was been. just an accident. I feel like it's just like. It just fell straight across the his room. head while he was trying to kill her. Like, eh, just a inconvenient time. I know, but I felt bad for Harris. Um, he did try to kill her. Um, I don't a know. Mercy if he, killing. Does he know exactly what's going on though? Like, there's no, there's no like. I think he There's does. no indication that he knew that she was possessed, though. Yeah, no, he totally did. How did he know? Because I feel like Deborah, when she would come in and out, she was communicating to him. Plus, he knew about the whole history of DeHardine. Oh, he knew that they buried, like, him. He knew. Yeah, he helped her bury him. Yeah, so I think he knew the whole But, time. like, he didn't... But how would you know she's possessed? Because she's acting very strange. Remember, he was, like, shooting... He's like shooting and drunk outside. He's just shooting at random things. I think he was scared and he was just like, he knew about the demon. He's kind of like shooting at, you know, shadows or monsters, whatever he's seeing, you know, or thinking is there. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't, 
Oh, and they I guess they skipped over that part. Um, yeah, so Harris, before he visits Deborah in the hospital and tries to kill Mercy kill her, he shoots at everyone going crazy and the police has to come to like stop him and he was kind of drunk. So I that's what you think happened. I think he was sad and scared, scared and he knew that Deborah. his friend was sick um or was possessed and he was like he wants to save her because she's suffering. But he also wants to get rid of the demon, too. Yeah, and he doesn't know what to do. I mean, I kind of was like, I mean, I kind of leaned to the inn and said, hey, I don't know if he was the most helpful character, but obviously he did care. So I, I think that he should have. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't I guess I, I don't know what to do, because I honestly, for me, I would have been like, she needs to be monitored and she needs to like, I mean, I guess they would never have figured out what was wrong with her, really, unless like all of these things happened you know yeah so i just i always felt like harrison knew the harris knew the most of course you know? he did and then i don't know i think it's funny that you think he's not helpful <laughs> somebody just slammed the he's door he's not very I'm helpful like he didn't actually very jumpy her. right now um yeah he wasn't very helpful um or you said he was very helpful I think he was trying his best, but you know they're working with this otherworldly. Yeah, there's nothing. Nobody can thing. really. Yeah, but oh, one of the things I guess this whole thing didn't bring up, and I kind of wrote it in my notes. Um, I should probably look at my notes. I'm very bad about that. Um, but um, the the what is it? Here's Deb. Oh. The Sarah, Sarah, the um, daughter, was a lesbian. And that was kind of like an underlying theme like that they were kind of like looking at to make it more dimensional for that character, I guess. But um, her mother didn't, he t she told a story about how her mother didn't like um, Sarah being a lesbian and like um, she was found in like the fifth grade kissing a girl and they didn't know what they were doing and the mother was just like so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I I did like that aspect of the story because it did, you know, give us an idea of their relationship. But I think, and I think this is probably like this, like, sweetest part of it. <laughs> it's just the bathroom door. <laughs> He's so jumpy. He keeps I don't freaking even out. like, no. <laughs> I don't like it. My door is right next to the bathroom door. <laughs> I know. Anyway. Um, so, um. But, you know, you think this whole time or the daughter thinks this whole time that her mother is disapproving of her um, and, you know, sent her away to boarding school at a young age because she had these, like, interactions with other girls when she was young. But at least this is how I took it. Her mom sent her away to protect her, right? Because she was afraid of that man. I forgot about that coming to kill her daughter as the I fifth girl. I forgot about that. I bet that that was when she they killed the Hardines. They where killed him. Where they mm -hmm. were like, um, she's coming for my daughter. I got to send my daughter away. And I never thought about that. But she really, I mean, Deborah really is a good mother. And um, despite the fact that she doesn't really understand why she's dressing more masculine mm -hmm. and likes women and that sort of thing they are disconnected in that part but she really does love her daughter and yeah. did everything she could to protect her yeah 
Yeah. How much um, I love I love that part. And that's a really good part of the story, I think, and makes it all the more sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so oh, one of the things I thought was funny and I didn't mention in the beginning of the movie that one guy, um, Gavin, I, I told you I like him, but also I, I guess in this aspect, I'm not him. He touched everything. He touched everything in the house. He's like, what's this? What's that? And I was like, that guy is like literally, I thought he was going to die. Cause you know, oh, yeah. he's obviously like yeah, he's like, like, and the thing is like, none of the main characters really died. Did they like the main filming crew, like Gavin left Luis, like kind of went with that other guy, the policeman, um, in the end, and Mia lives. Yeah, they're all. Do you think Mia? Okay, good. I'll ask you in the end about this. But um, <laughs> anyway, let's get through this because it's already like fifty minutes, and I'm like, oh my god, we're not even. We're almost there, and then we can talk about um what you really thought about the movie. Um, okay. Where were we? Um, at the hospital, Harris visits Deborah, um, who begs. Okay, we already did this, and um, the television comes flying by possibly the entity <laughs> possessing Deborah. Sarah, Mia, and Luis discover that Deborah had unsuccessfully tried to abduct Kara, a young cancer patient whom she previously tried to take away. So, okay, so I guess they skipped the part where she tried to take away Kara in the first time. Um, where Kara, Kara was a freaky character in itself and herself, you know? Like, right. she was a cancer patient. She, not to knock, you know, anybody who's going through hardships and disease, but, like, they kind of made up her character to have, like, disheveled hair and like creepy look and that sort of thing and she you can tell that she was also like entranced in some kind of like evil magic yeah that little girl had kind of she did a good job of looking very vacant kind yeah. of empty and yeah and that's scary as fuck like yeah. i'm like holy the little shit girl was scary. yeah the little girl was scary i almost thought she was gonna like murder someone too you know mm -hmm. but who knows anyway um so she, okay, so she tried to take her away. Um, I guess that, I guess she tried to do it twice. I don't know what she, I don't know. But uh, she tried to do it twice. Once she was unsuccessful, she was found in the basement by the doctor, um, Dr. Nazir, and they kind of like separated her. She didn't really do anything and they restrained her. Um, they put restraints on her. And then the second time she took her, somewhere else to yeah. the yeah river. i don't think that's the part they're talking about yet though um because oh, I think sarah learns from harris that years ago so they're still talking about so harris got hit in the head with the television and he's like literally dying and he has to get surgery because that television literally <laughs> by possibly <laughs> the demon um and it flung on the back of his head so he was like going to surgery and she sarah kind of like navigated through and said hey this is my dad and then like kind of wanted to talk to him about what's happening um so sarah learns from harris years ago deborah found out that de hardine's plan to use sarah as his fifth fifth victim he says that it had prompted her to murder the doctor before he could accomplish 
his plan and buried the doctor's body in the yard. The group eventually finds the body body remains and tries to burn it, but it fails despite being doused with lighter fluid. Yeah, that whole sequence with the body was, I mean. Were you scared? I wasn't Okay, scared. let me talk about this because first of all, every movie with a house like that has a million hidden places. And you're just like, what kind of fucking house do you live in? Like you literally live in like a weird hoarder house where you have fucking three attics. There's fucking three attics. You don't need three attics. You're literally one woman living alone, right? And why do you need three attics? To hide a body? One attic, one body, an attic. Yeah, at least, you know, just in case you have backup. Just in case. You're just like, "Mm, I already filled that one. (laughs) Every attic was filled with random crap too, so it was... I mean, yeah, it was filled, but like... She was a hoarder. Huh? Why? Why are there three attics filled with random trash? I mean, I mean, just for people to just walk around in, you know. <laughs> make it hard to find the body. It's yeah, like, make which it one? hard. But, you know, yeah, it, I just felt like that was, I mean, I was, I mean, they complained about it too. And the, and the, uh, the, the crew complained. They're like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is wrong with this house? And I was like, there's a lot of things wrong with this house. You need to get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, nobody needs three addicts. Like that's too many addicts. Um, if you have three addicts and they're all filled, I really suggest that you do a little um, Marie Kondo. Oh yeah. And like kind of like say I don't I don't Does need it that bring shit. You joy? Does it bring you joy? Maybe Does this body bring me joy? <laughs> Is this addict? <laughs> Is this helping me? No, gotta get it away. <laughs> anyway, um, so they they try to burn the body, but it doesn't work because. For some reason, the spirit's so powerful. Um, I guess because it's at its fourth victim, like the spirit was like not gonna die um, unless the body was burned. Well, I don't think so. So, like the I don't know how the I don't know what happened, but the fire kind of like blew out. Like yeah, I think the spirit was powerful and was able to like. I mean, throughout the movie, we saw, like, shadows. The shadow guy. Like, shadow of a man. So his spirit was kind of also free-floating somehow, too. Yeah, like, he had a physical form somehow. He could possess Deborah, but he also was, like... Moving about. Floating around doing... So, like, you think that he... So, like, when he moves out of Deborah, Deborah's, like, normal. But when he comes into Deborah... Like, he could just come into Deborah anytime? Um, Or is he attached to Deborah? I felt like he was just in Deborah. Deborah... That sounded terrible. I just feel like he was, yeah. And then I feel like Deborah, like you know, in a lot of movies, like okay. Let me wait. When you said in Deborah, it says evil lives within you in this movie poster. Oh, does it? Okay, so it's accurate. You're accurate. You're real. You know what they were going for. But yeah, like fucking crazy shit. Like literally, this guy is so powerful after sacrificing, like for freshly nude like how do they how did he know that they were gonna have their period oh because you're pediatrician which is really disturbing i really hate that but like how did like what are the signs oh no they came to him and they said hey this girl is having her period probably it's probably like how are things going and it's like well she's having her period yeah it's a new 
But like you still don't know when the first like you can't guess when the first like she could just literally be like somewhere and literally somewhere random far away from they were necessarily like still on it it was like she'd had her first one i i just thought it was like i thought it was like as soon as she had her first one he had to do it oh i didn't get that from the movie but okay maybe maybe i'm wrong (laughs) Eh, we'll have to see it again but i don't want to see it again so um (laughs) let's just take your river on i don't know maybe like as soon as I guess it has to be really close. Maybe it can't be too long yeah. because obviously Plus it lasts for a few days. You're right. <laughs> I so forgot sorry. about that one. <laughs> I almost threw up, but um, I forgot about that. Sorry. Sorry, women. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, yeah, that sucks. So literally they're like, fuck me. I'm going to have this for the rest of my life. Then this guy tries to eat them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty terrible life. Oh, God. Anyway, um, so they didn't burn the body. Deborah succeeds in abducting Kara and taking her to a location where the... Okay, so this is the second time. Where DeHardines had killed all of his previous victims. So one of the things that um, I don't think this um, summary points to is that they have to kill the victim at the river. Um, one of the messages or the... Um, the points part of, to, the ritual. To, part of the ritual has to they have to kill her out the river and wash her out the river or something like that to make the ritual complete mm-hmm. and that's why kara didn't kill her at the hospital or like on the way to wherever you know she had to kill her at that exact spot mm-hmm. um in the in the what is it the Monokan hills or mines the mines the yeah there's like a mine yeah there's shaft a mine shaft or something some a cave tunnels. it's a cave type of thing um so she got her she drove this this demon woman literally was like driving this car with a little girl like to the forest and yeah i don't <laughs> know what i would do if i saw that i'd be like what the fuck but anyway um because even if i saw deborah and she was just um sickly i would probably be like i'm scared (laughs) (laughs) even if she wasn't possessed yeah she looked pretty scary oh she did her no okay so one of the things in the beginning that i yelled at was that one woman that just like literally was just like her mouth was just open and dying because she died of all them and i was like this is already scary (laughs) (laughs) like it was just a normal death but i guess people do people die like that i don't know Uh, oh yeah they do like with her mouth open weirdly i think so sometimes you really yes. don't want me to sleep. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So after discovering Deborah has gone into the mines, Sheriff Tweed follows behind, only to be killed moments later. After hearing Tweed's attack, Sarah and Mia takes up the pursuit, only to find Deborah just as she's trying to swallow Kara's head in a snake-like manner. That was one of the freakier moments to me. Her mouth really was like unhinged. Like yeah. it literally was like on that girl's head. Yeah. And, and the girl was, But the thing is like was the girl cuz you know the girl screamed, right? So was the girl conscious conscious or was she kind of just like possessed by the person? I think like Deborah she probably she came goes in and in out. out. Yeah. And she was like, I'm being swallowed by this 
weird old lady. <laughs> what the fuck? That's really terrifying. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was, that was one of like, I mean, but everything kind of pointed to it, you know? It was kind of like, how did this happen with this snake gouge in this head? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what is happening? But you just don't expect, especially Deborah's body to like, kind of like transform. Sh- transform into like a little snake. I don't know. But that was, I mean, yeah, part the ritual really points to... um snake as a symbol Mm because everything kind of transformed into snakes they kept finding snakes all over the house and like even in the beginning deborah saw a snake in the yard um and that was creepy and she just grabbed it and was like it's fine (laughs) we're just like okay um okay so they finally managed to uh burn darheen's corpse and i guess it has to be in that area or in that specific spot to burn, or else That's it doesn't work. That's what Sarah work. thought. But what she thought, you know, it didn't work when we did it at the house. Maybe it'll work now that we're at this like rituals spot. Yeah, yeah. Because like that, did they kill the Hardines at the mines, or did they kill? They didn't kill him. What? They didn't kill him. Deborah killed him. Deborah killed him. DeHardine? Yeah. No, Alex. What? At the end of the movie. No, 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 no. I meant originally. Um, oh. Harrison and Deborah killed DeHardine. Did they kill him? No. At the at the at the at the house? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Or near near the near house. town. So that doesn't make sense that. They have to go to the ritual spot to kill him. I think Sarah thought maybe, you know, it would break the... Curse or whatever, or the ritual cycle. That's what I thought, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, it burned. Um, the film then cuts to news footage of reporters stating that Deborah was deemed unfit to stand trial for the crime she committed during the abduction of Kara. Yeah, she was pretty much a vegetable. Um, and And... I want to talk about this more, but let me just read the rest. Um, in addition, uh, a, an additional news story shows Kara has overcome her cancer and is celebrating her 10th birthday. As the reporter begins to wrap the story, Kara turns to the camera and gives a sinister smile, perhaps hinting that DeHardine's ritual was completed and now he is in control of her body. The end. Uh, can, you, can you reenact her scream? Scream. The scream, the 10 screams you did during the movie. That scared the My shit out of me. My scream, I can't do it anymore. It has to be like for real, man. Yeah, you has to be in the moment. Like I'm like, guttural, like, ah. Like, it's not like a, ah. It's, it's not like, like a, a dainty scream. It's more like, holy shit. Yeah, it's very like <laughs> a punch to your face kind of scream. Yeah, and you jumped every time I screamed. Yeah, I was, I like, was completely fine until he screamed. And then I Well, you jump. knew it was coming too. That's why you jumped too. <laughs> no it was just you <laughs> but anyway so the reason why de hardine's corpse burned was because sh- his spirit left that weak body and went into Kara's. i guess yeah i guess like a permanent new host yeah, i host. mean he did it is he gonna do it again maybe he doesn't have to he's living forever in a little girl body who has mm-hmm. periods forever mm-hmm. good for him 
Because he's cursed. To have what? To have periods. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Wow. That's a lot. Um. <laughs> but yeah, that was th this movie was a lot. Um. There were a lot of jump scares. Well, not a lot of jump scares. I think I made it into more than it was. You but it was four or five times. Yeah, but like. You know, every time it was because her back was turned to us and you're like, eh, they're like touching her and she was, you knew she was going to do something. Yeah. That's or why like, I don't scream. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It happens. And you're like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Is that the way to remedy ah! this? Because part of, part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is to like not do that anymore and be more comfortable with watching these sort of things. But like, I feel like every time I'm just like... I'm just gonna like let it out so I feel better later. I love so I remember when I went to see The Grudge when I was really young, everyone in the theater would scream, and I was like, I've never seen scream. anyone do this before, you know, like because my family doesn't do that. They don't really watch horror movies. I don't do that. And then I was like, this is kind of fun. It's scarier when everyone else is scared. Is there, I guess there, The Grudge wasn't that scary to be honest though wasn't i mean it's there I guess are it was scary. creepy elements but yeah but it wasn't like this type of advanced horror i feel like this is very a good story it had a good story that was fairly believable and also it had like a scary element that was very real alzheimer's is very scary i'm not mm -hmm. gonna lie like uh it's it's a scary disease for old people because they really do that type of thing where they don't know what they're doing and they could be hurting someone or themselves. Yeah. So like that was already scary in itself, but adding this demonic thing to it, you know, to make it actually like more horror. Yeah. So like, yeah, that, it was a lot. Um, the snake part was really horrifying for, I, I mean, that was probably the best horror scene in it. If you would agree. Yeah. That part really stuck with me. Yeah, you're probably going to think about it. Okay. <laughs> um, so, well, overall, what are your thoughts about the movie? Like, you... Did you find it actually scary, or was it just entertaining for you, or what do you think? Um, yeah, I definitely found some parts of it scary, and I thought that, um, overall, I thought the plot was pretty good. You know, sometimes, I mean, always with a horror movie, there's something where I'm like, that's a little dumb or I don't understand that. I feel, I find that a lot with like slasher films where I'm like, this is kind of dumb. Like nobody would yeah. do that. Like there's this one thing that I think people always point out is the person always looks like in the mirror. They're like, oh, it's fine. And then they're like, look behind them and then, oh, it's fine. And then they look in the mirror again and then something like pops. Yeah. You know, like, it's like a back forth back. I don't know what that's called. There's probably, like, a scientific term, or not scientific, like, a film term for it. Yeah. Or something like that. I mean, you have all those tropes that you see, and, I mean, there's a lot of patterns in a yeah, horror movie. Yeah, that they always follow. And it always works for me, at least. Like, for it you. always works for me. I don't <laughs> no, care. I don't care if I know that it's coming. I'm going to scream regardless. I'm going to say, holy shit. You know, like, I'm going to give it to them. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I'm already like, if I, I guess in my mind, I'm all like, if I scream now, it won't be as scary, I guess. You know, like what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, like, instead of me going like, 
like just blankly staring and going like what <laughs> you know <laughs> but anyway um yeah the ending was kind of i guess i guess it wasn't a happy ending anyway is it a happy it's ending? never a happy ending i mean like the thing is like oh yeah he was a very terrible person but he got to live but the saddest part is deborah yeah deborah protected her daughter like got possessed by a demon her body's deteriorating like shit now because it got stretched crazily you (laughs) know and she's never the same again it's true so i do feel sorry for her i mean but i mean i guess does it the the alzheimer's disease was already going to do that so to some degree but you know she suffered all those i mean it's a lot of damage to her body overall yeah, that was a lot of damage. It was like her skin was shedding and all that stuff. It was really gross. But anyway, um, what do you think the moral of the story is? Like, what do you think? Like, Are there morals to horror movie stories? I think there are. I really do because I feel like it's like, don't do this. Don't do that. <laughs> or you'll get killed. Well, okay, I'll tell you mine, and I'm going to ask you, well, maybe you'll agree or not. I don't know. But I think that one of the things it really points out to, even in the beginning, is don't be a nosy bitch. Keep to your own shit. I mean, it is his her daughter, but he she should have went to the police about it. Instead of, like, taking it to her own hands. I mean, I guess he would have possessed the police or something. Who should have, Sarah? No, Deborah. Should have gone to the police? Yeah, that hurt that she knew that this guy was going to kill her daughter. Mm. Like, that probably would have solved a lot of this, maybe. But the police might have been possessed. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But, like... It wouldn't cause Deborah and her daughter, you know, as much grief as it did, I think. Yeah, and and I think different. I think that it also pointed to the crew, um, the documentary crew. They were nosy as fuck, and they got something they shouldn't have, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess if they hadn't, there was like this tone of them trying to exploit. Kind of, yeah, exploit the family. Yeah, exploit a the bit. family. And, I mean, I guess also, like, how Deborah was the switchboard worker and she kept all those secrets, I felt like that was something that they were pointing to. They were like, you shouldn't be, you should do the right thing. I mean, first of all, she shouldn't be doing the switchboard thing because um, it's an invasion of privacy because it's only her and it's not like a company or something that they're protecting all this information or whatever. She's the only person that, like, literally has this information. And she kept so many dark secrets for everyone. And I felt like it kind of led her down a bad path. I can see what you're saying, but I still don't think... There's a moral That there's a a very... Strong moral. Strong, like, intention of, you know, having a moral in any horror movie. Yeah, people just die, I guess. I mean, maybe in... (laughs) Kind of in Saw there was, with the... I, I I may have noticed. I, I see what you're saying. I just don't think that's the main. Place. Oh yeah, I don't believe it's the. 
I don't believe it's the main point. I just think that there always is like um, a little commentary on society or something like that. that. Yeah. Okay. I completely agree with that then. There's right. some kind of commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, what would you rate this um, movie? It's going to be out of, for this rating, I would like it to be out of um, 10 bald possessed ladies. How many bald possessed ladies out of Do you 10? give this movie? I would give it like seven. Seven? That's really good. For a horror movie. I'm not talking about all movies in general. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be a bald-headed lady for a regular movie. Right. I You're right. You know? It would be like three bananas or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, but I would give this, um, I would give it a six. I liked it. It was scary, um, but also I still think it could be scarier. I mean, I'm, I think there was a lot of things that they could have done to make it a little more like stick in your brain, you know, mm. but there, there are some parts where I'm like, this is just like, it didn't work, you know? Um, but I, overall, I thought it was a pretty good, I mean, I'll give it 6.5. Okay. 6.5 Deborah's <laughs> out of Ten Deborahs with an H. Deborahs. Um, so okay, so let's see what. Um, so overall, the um, tomato meter for this was eighty nine percent, and the audience score was forty eight percent. So there's a big discrepancy between each. I feel like there always is, don't you oh, think? Yeah. But um, I thought it was a pretty good movie. Overall. I enjoyed it. I like. I thought lot. it was entertaining. I think there's a good story point, and there's some things that I'm gonna be thinking about for <laughs> a little bit, like I, like always, um, after every horror movie. But anyway, thank you very much, M, for joining me for this podcast. Thank you for having um, me. I, you're definitely welcome to join me again for the for another movie. Um, and everybody who's listening, I'm thank you for listening and, um, we'll come back with you next week with another movie that will tickle my bones. I don't know. What, <laughs> what is it? What is it? They say scare, scare the shit out of me. I like yeah, that. that one. Scare the shit out of me. All right. Okay. Thanks. Bye.